It's the OU Jewish Reaction Show, and uh, we present this program every Tuesday, 9 a.m., right after JM and the AM here at uh, the Nahum Siegel Network. I thank everybody for tuning in. Don't forget our social media sites, uh, including uh, on Facebook, Nahum Siegel Network. Simple as that. Make sure to like the page so you're in touch and uh, know on a regular basis what is happening uh, with us 24 hours a day. Uh, Atlanta, Georgia is our first stop uh, in uh, today's uh, conversations. Chaim Neidich is with us. Uh, we are told that he is an expert on the uh, Jewish community of Atlanta and the um, the industry, I would guess, or the category of Kiruv down in Atlanta, Georgia, and he joins us via telephone here at the OU Jewish Reaction Show. Chaim Neidich, welcome to the Nahum Siegel Network. Hey, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. A pleasure to have you on. How many years have you been down in Atlanta? I've been working in Atlanta for 21 years, and I've been living here for 12. Wow, very nice. And uh, it, yeah. it, it is known as uh, one of the, well, not, not just in the South, but in the entire country, one of the most amazing Jewish communities. you agree? Totally. Thank God. It's a great place. Has all the amenities one would expect at this point? Yeah, Atlanta's really caught up over the uh, past, I guess, 21 years I've been working with the community. It's uh, vibrant. It's growing. Uh, there's uh, just about anything you could ask for here. Well, that is great. Um, we're told that you're one of the experts when it comes to Kiruv and when it comes to uh, um, outreach in the Atlanta Jewish community. Are, are, are you, in fact, one of those? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, an expert, but I've definitely been doing it for quite a while and, uh, you know, definitely, uh, you know, been, uh, been here during a lot of different uh, growth periods. Has it been successful in Atlanta and why? Atlanta, I'd say, has been incredibly successful. I mean, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a pretty uh, incredible community in general. Uh, years ago, it started off with Rabbi Emanuel Feldman, who came to Atlanta and did some pretty remarkable things in terms of really reaching out and uh, really uh, trying to uh, bring Judaism to the broader community. And then it, it's grown in different iterations. Uh, his son, Rabbi Elan Feldman, did an incredible job, um, brought in the Atlanta Scholars Colo. Uh, that was uh, very successful during the 80s and 90s with outreach, and they're still very active today. Um, and then from there, you know, uh, Rabbi Adam Starr started with Young Israel, who started doing a lot of outreach throughout the community now. You have a lot of really big, talented uh, people here. So why, do, why does the Colel model work? What is the, um, what is the reason that that Colel model is so important when it comes to trying to uh, do outreach on a community-wide basis? I think with anything. Um, I mean, I, also just getting back here, NCSY has been around since the beginning here. So I just want to mention NCSY has been uh, was one of the first four founding cities. Uh, you know, of NCSY was in Atlanta, Georgia, along with uh, Augusta, Savannah, and Charleston. So again, NCSY has played a major role in the community as well. But getting back to the COLA question, um, I think the key thing with the COLA is this: is if you meet these guys, you're going to love them. They're great guys. They um, they're very personable, and I think that it's not so much about um, about what they're doing as much as who they are. And it's about, I think in general, Cure is about emanating, you know, you know, Judaism. It's about uh, helping people, you know, igniting them, getting them excited, getting them passionate about their Judaism and connecting with them on a personal level. It's not so much about the programming as much as it is about the relationships and the, uh, and the way you, I guess, present Judaism. It's a strange question for these days, but is it a united Jewish community or is it as united as one would expect today? I think as far as Jewish communities go, Atlanta is probably one of the most united uh, communities in the country. Um, I can tell you from my experience that I mean, we get support from uh, you know across the spectrum. I mean, I have uh, you know 
at least in my line of work. I have, I have reform rabbis, conservative rabbis getting behind us, the Jewish Federation, um, you know, in that regard. At the same time, also, you know, we have support from, you know, all the Orthodox Rabbanim as well. So I think that there's definitely this uh, recognition that the Jewish community needs to work together to really make a difference in the, uh, you know, with the Jewish people. Uh, Atlanta did a study back in 2006. They're actually doing another one right now as we speak. And they found two-thirds of Jewish people in Atlanta, zero connection to Judaism. Wow. So, uh, you know, so I think everyone, with that, you know, statistic in mind, a lot of people started opening up their idea to working together, collaborating. And thank God it's been pretty successful. Have you seen, excuse the term, other out-of-town communities? Have you seen them uh, either, you know, have that same type of togetherness and cohesiveness that Atlanta has, or this is an exception? Uh, I kind of had the opportunity to travel around to lots of different out-of-town communities during my tenure with NTSY. And I think definitely in some of the smaller communities, you see there's, uh, you know, definitely some type of collaboration there. Atlanta is a little bit unique in that the community also has exploded for a southern community. Uh, you know, Atlanta is just off the chart in terms of its size. And uh, I would say that in smaller communities, definitely you'll see that. But I think in Atlanta, it's remarkable in that a community with 120,000 Jewish people and it's potentially grown since uh, the 2006 study, um, you know, that are able to work together. Uh, Chaim Neidich is with us down in Atlanta, Georgia, OU Jewish Reaction Shows. We talk about the community down there. Um, anything different today? You say you've been down there 21 years in total, um, you know, on a full-time basis. What did you say, 12 or 15 years on a full-time basis? Uh, I've lived here for 12, but I was working here for 21. Right, so it's a generation now. As outreach, yes. as outreach goes, as Kiruv goes, is programming different? Are uh, the ways to attract the young people to try to get the high schoolers into an environment that you know that we think is uh, for their betterment? Is it, has any of those strategies changed over the last twenty years? <laughs> That's actually a very interesting question. It, it's radically different today. It's like it, it's incredible. Uh, you know, I think that people you know that that, that are coming in and getting involved in this why now, and I tell them stories of what it was like when I first got started. It was radically different, meaning, you know, when I first got started, the Internet was in its infancy. Most people didn't have it. Um, you know, it's starting back in, like, I first got involved here back in 95. So there was, you know, there just, you know, people, if you if brought Coke and pizza to a synagogue, you could pack the place. Right. Today, you know, like today, it's just, you know, teens don't need you for that social interaction the way they used to because they can be online connecting to people you know, all over the country with their different, you know, niche type of things. Every kid has their own type of way they define themselves, and they can connect through Google Hangouts, through FaceTime. There's different ways they're connecting to each other, and therefore I find that um, you're, it's not about um, – it's not like the old days where everyone had one phone line, uh, one TV, and, again, you can get out for the night. That's great. You know, say everyone has so much access to things that they don't need you for those things. You have to, you know, create something different. You, di um, you, you direct the NCSY yeah. region down there, right? Correct, I do. That would be what, the southern region? So I, will, I was a director of southern region for many, many years. Atlanta took off now with 3,300 teens. Uh, you know, a sizable portion of uh, NCSYers live here now. It's a huge operation, and Atlanta kind of outgrew the rest of the south. So Atlanta eventually became its own region, and then uh, it'll keep on going. Boy, the capital of the South in many ways, that's for sure. And um, you're involved with JSU, and JSU basically with NCSY, they work together. Am I right or wrong? Uh, correct, correct. Uh, you know, I would say that, uh, you know, over time, uh, you know, the OU and NCSY ended up absorbing JSU. JSU had a good run on its own for 10 years, and then JSU became an official program 
of the OU back in 2012. Wow. Chaim Neidich is with us down in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, what's the, what was the population back then when you first got there, as opposed to, in general, the Jewish population? So I think it was something like 65,000 was uh, at the time of the Olympics, 1996. Right. And then by 2006, they're up to 120. Wow, so double the population, and uh, obviously the uh, the uh, pool of uh, potential uh, Kirov uh, targets <laughs> grows as, as that number grows. Yeah, I mean, Atlanta has, I think, the second most Fortune 500 companies in the country so uh for you know for a city in the u.s so it's definitely growing uh, you know industries growing here a lot of jobs are here um yeah it's definitely again it's taking off by leaps and bounds what's considered atlanta is growing it's a it's a sprawling city you, you can drive an hour away from outside of atlanta you're still in atlanta right. so in that regard it's still just uh, expanding and uh, by the same token you see what's happening with your neighbors in florida where they continue to enjoy amazing growth in their Jewish communities as well. Totally. Totally. I mean, I'd say, uh, again, I love New York, but uh, definitely, you know, the communities throughout the country are starting to really pick up and grow and thrive as Judaism starts to spread. How's this year been specifically? Has it been a banner year for NCSY down there? Incredible. I mean, we're up over 1,000 kids from last year. And, um, yeah, it just it keeps on exploding. I'm actually... Uh, and he's speaking again at two high school graduations this uh, coming May. And um, we have a lot of kids going off to Israel for the year next year. We have uh, had a ton of kids coming on conventions. And our JSU program in the public schools, the reach has just been incredible. And the high school youth have uh, those who are, you know, who want to be affiliated with a Jewish high school. They got plenty of choices down there or not? Yeah, so it's actually, it, we have actually four great choices for high school here. You have, uh, there's, um, an all-boys high school called Orisrael. You have a girls-based Yaakov, which is called Tamima. Uh, you have a co-ed yeshiva high school, um, which is actually part of like, one of the first K-12 schools uh, in the country, which actually starts in kindergarten all the way to 12th grade, called the Atlanta Jewish Academy, which was just formed about a year ago. And then you have the Weber School, which is a community school. Wow, very nice. Chaim Neidich is with us down in Atlanta, Georgia, OU Jewish Reaction Show. Talking about Kiruv down there. What about staff? Are you able to get enough people to move to Atlanta uh, to staff this major operation that you have down there at this point? So it's funny you ask. We're actually, you know, we're always looking to get uh, more and more talented people here. As our program grows, we want to keep on adding more people. So if any of your listeners uh, are interested in potentially moving down here or even getting a job with us down here, they should definitely be in touch. How do they find out? How do they uh, get in touch with you guys? So um, they can reach us. Uh, you know, our phone number is uh, 404-486-8787, 404-486-8787. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to speak with them. Uh, do, you, do you send any students to Israel for after 10th grade with all the NCSY summer programs? We have a very sizable amount of kids going this summer, and I'd say most summers we have a pretty, pretty good group. Right. Sounds like you have a solid operation down there. Thank God. Look, it, it, it's a great city, and uh, you know, it's taken years and years of my life building it, but uh, it's a great community, great people, some of the nicest kids you ever want to meet, and some of the nicest families you ever want to meet are here in Atlanta. Chaim Neidich, he's uh, been directing and continues to direct NCSY down in Atlanta, Georgia, and as we said, he is known as a Kiruv expert at this point, especially down in what we call the uh, capital of the South. Chaim, continued success to you, and thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you. I am Neidich, down from Atlanta, Georgia. This is the Nahum Siegel Network. You're listening to the OU Jewish Reaction Show.
Farm of the best of Kalbach Chabad, Volume Two. This is the Nachum Siegel Network. Uh, we've got Bela Sheva Brenner with us. She's senior writer and director of communications and marketing over at the uh, OU. This is, of course, the OU Jewish Reaction Show, and we'll be joined by a couple of special guests who are going to be joining her as well. Bela Sheva Brenner, welcome to the Nachum Siegel Network. Thank you. I just wanted to correct that I'm not a, the director. Oh, I apologize. I member of. Oh, from the division, rather, right? Right. Yeah. I, didn't get, I didn't get that promotion. No. That, that's what happens when my uh, when my R's look like V's or the opposite. Yeah. So it's the okay. division of uh, of communications and marketing, and she's a senior writer. It's Bela Sheva Brenner. So you set out to write an article, from what I understand, yes. about uh, families that have been uh, Orthodox observant for many many generations in this country. Yeah, since the 1800s. In fact, uh, the series is called Unbroken Faith. Who brought the series to you? Is this one you thought of on your own? Good question. I believe I was I, I was assigned the project. Uh, I mean, it's an interesting project because I mean, you, you can tell us how interesting it is since you researched it. Uh, you know, we 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 often think about uh, you know generations of Jewish people here in the United States. A lot beginning obviously after World War II for obvious reasons. Some beginning around World War One. But you find some that go way back, right? Yes, way back. And um, due to the, the economic depression in Germany, they came seeking livelihood, and due to the increasing anti-Semitism in Central and Eastern Europe, they came escaping pogroms, etc. Right. Yeah, so, and it was the 1820s, 1830s, 1840s, before the Civil War. How many families did you analyze? How many did you bring into the article? Oh, my. <laughs> I mix them up all the time. Um, but I think about 10 or 11. Oh, so really a good number. Yeah, no, really. I had a lot of help from above that uh, I, I found the families quickly. Bela Sheva Brenner is with us. All right, so we have uh, two guests with us, uh, a uh, mother and daughter. Uh, we have Betty Mandelbaum. Betty, welcome to the show. Thank you. A pleasure to speak to you. And Sipora Blavis. Sipora, welcome to the show. Thank you. 
And do you want to give us an overview, Bela Sheva, about this family and just uh, and tell us how they worked into the article and why their family is important historically for this topic? Okay. Well, uh, their great-great ancestor, Henry P. Cohn, C-O-H-N, uh, known as Svi Pinchas, in, uh, you know, in his Yiddish name, um, he left Germany for America about 1847. And in the States, he married his cousin Fanny, who lived in Virginia. Uh, the reason he left is there were laws that were being um, instituted, and one of them was only one member of the family can get married right. in, in Germany. So uh, he came over here <laughs> you know, to start a family. So how many generations is that before Betty? Betty, how many is that before you? That was probably, let's see, Pinchas, Yaakov, Pinchas, me. I was the fourth. So it's three previous generations to you. Three previous generations to me. I think it's seven in total. Seven and in now total. we're up to the seventh generation. Right, what we call seventh generation American. Yes. What's the secret? How does your family get to have the distinction of being observant through all those generations? Well, my great-grandfather, Tzvi Pimchus, who came over before he came, he was somewhat learned, and he got a Kabbalah in Shechita before he came. We have it here in my house, a copy of it, or the original, actually, because he figured he might have to shecht food for himself. They always kept Chal of Yisrael, and they were made out of steel, basically, they were totally, totally devoted to the Torah and Yiddishkeit. And once we get to your generation, obviously it's, uh, I would guess, it, you know, it's, it's um, ex- expected that everybody's going to be observant at that point, correct? It's never expected. It's always a bracha. It's always, uh, you know, siyata deshmaya. But... Um, Baruch Hashem, I guess we have something in our genes that make, makes us feel that we are the luckiest people alive to be able to have this as our Masora. You know, I, I found that there was a kind of determination, an unwavering spirit in um, these families. A commitment that many of us would not be able to fathom or understand. There was no yeshivas. There were the, um, Parnassa, you know, they had to work on Shabbos, so... Uh, many people had, were fired every week, and uh, a lot of them became entrepreneurs because that was the only way they had control over that. Just want to make sure we still have Betty. Betty, you're still there, right? Yes. Sipara, are you there? I'm here. Sipara Blavis is with us. That's Betty's daughter, right? Correct? Yes. Yes. Sipara, uh, is this something that has an indelible effect? A uh, you know leaves a uh, a very strong impression on the current generation, knowing this history of the family and you know looking back, so to speak, as you look forward. I think it does. Um, I think we all understand that we didn't just, you know, appear here out of thin air, but that there was a lot of dedication and, and commitment from the people before us. Um, and we also understand that some of them in Hagen that our families had in gen- for generations, that when we meet a cousin somewhere and they sing Shir Hamal's the same way or bench the same way or say the same thing after Abdullah, we're like, wow, you know, and, and it makes us proud to be part of this group of people who've really held on to something and not just taken on the whim of the day, um, but really have been committed to something for generation after generation. Yeah, do we know now how many people were in the family? Betty, do we have any clue how many people? Were I really th- don't. I, I, I know that my great-grandfather had nine children. Wow. Only three got married. Um, and 
all three who got married have from uh, descendants. Um, the rest were quite learned and very, very from, but they just they felt there was nobody to marry. Right. So they never got married. Um, I, I, I don't, I, I've never sat down and made a count. But can I and her, we are not the biggest family in America. There are much, much bigger ones, but can I and her, there's a lot of us. Were they all based uh, in New York, the uh, previous generation? So that's where geographically they, they ended up? No, we were mostly, uh, we were Baltimoreans. Oh, Baltimore. Yeah, our family was Balt- from Baltimore. My grandfather went to Richmond, married this cousin who was in Richmond. After about 10 years of marriage and a few children, he realized that he won't have Jewish descendants because there was no Yiddishkeit in Richmond. So then they moved to Baltimore, which always did have uh, Rabbanim and, and some, some community. And um, that's, that's where I grew up, and uh, that's where we were, in fact. Uh, just a side issue, my father was very instrumental in the starting of Beis Yaakov of Baltimore, which is now one of the biggest girls' school outside of the New York area. Right. And I was the first student there the first day it opened. Oh, wow. And this was all under the guidance of Rabbi Shimon Schwab. Of course. Who was the Rav then in Baltimore. Wow. So we... You know, even knows who we are in Baltimore because nobody lives there anymore. <laughs> Understood. <laughs> uh, Betty Mandelbaum, Sipara Belavis, mother and daughter, Bela Sheva Brenner. Bela is the uh, she's the uh, senior writer in the division of communications and marketing at the OU. Um, was mo- were most of the families New York centric, or you met plenty that were outside the New York area even generations back? Okay, generally, um, they they went to wherever there was the uh, where there was Yiddishkeit. Okay, so the ones who were very interested in maintaining it. So Baltimore was one, um, the Lower East Side another, and then they moved to, from there to Williamsburg. Right. Believe it or not, Harlem. Right. Yeah, and there was a yeshiva to Harlem. Yeah, big Jewish community up there, right. especially yeah. in the early part of the, 19th, uh, the 20th century, right? Yeah, so th- those were you know, three areas, Manhattan and then Brooklyn and, uh, and Baltimore, were strongholds they were. Right. Um, Betty, do you remember stories growing up that, uh, that would uh, instill faith in the young people as they as they contemplated their own direction in life? Not really. You know, when you're growing up and this is your family and you you just take it for granted. You know, right. it's it's something, you know, we're not watching things and saying, "Wow, I'm going to tell my grandchildren about this." You know, this is just so common in every day that it's only looking back years and years later that you appreciate it and then you forget everything. I think at family know? at family simchas, these things tend to uh, to come up, right? Where those... Right. Well, when we all get together, which is very rare, you know, the different branches of the family, right. and we all have different memories because we we have it from a different point of view. Right. And um, but Baruch Hashem, we're still here and we're still together and we're still, you know, happy to be who we are. Yeah, no question about that. And a prime example for other families, I can tell you that much. Sipara, anything growing up that left an impression on you? Um, you know, I think the fact that we we saw our grandparents who were involved in anything that had to do with Yiddishkeit because there was nobody else. Right. You know, my grandfather was on the Bad Hatzala. He was on 
bringing um, hashkacha to Baltimore. There was no, you know, formal hashkacha, we, and we saw that. Um, the fact that they were founders of the Beis Yaakov and they were founding members of the Shoals, all these things made us realize that, you know, nowadays nobody has to be involved in anything because you just go to Main Avenue and you get whatever you need. But <laughs> they really, they established everything. And I think that gave us all a pride and all a drive to accomplish things in our lives. My grandfather was like 30 years old, and he was on every, every, um, probably in his 20s, on every VOD, on every everything, because, you know, where there's no one else to step up, he stepped up. On every committee there is. Yeah, truly, yeah, he truly. was the founder. Like I mean, he, he used he, to go, he had a job, but he started his work at night because he used to work for all the organizations during the day. He worked for an advertising firm. So as long as he got his work done, his boss didn't care if he didn't show up daytime hours. He used to walk at work till like 3 o'clock in the morning, and I thought all fathers did that. <laughs> I had no idea that this was unusual. Uh, Bela Sheva Brenner, who wrote the article, um, I guess commitment, dedication, and sacrifice is the main theme of the article, right? Yes, and also I have to say it was given over uh, in, with simcha and pride, like that, which was said before about the pride. Um, it was no, it's hard to be a Jew. Right. That, was not, that was not the way it was given over. It was accept the challenge and go do it. I never, ever felt or heard that concept. And I have to just say one thing. Sure. One of the other families that was interviewed was the Bruder family, uh-huh. which the Wilhelms came from and so on, and I'm friendly with... Um, uh, Mrs. Lando, her son wrote one of the part of one of the articles about that family, and we were talking on Shabbos, and she said to me, one of the reasons that our families could stay the way they were is that none of them ever had to work in a factory. They they you know they were not dependent on the boss letting them keep Shabbos. Right. So and that is true. Yeah. So. I, you know, I, we were Baruch Hashem, you know, like they didn't have to face what a lot of other people faced. Getting fired every week, it was not the case for Right, everybody. exactly. So in, in these two particular families, that was not the case. Right. I can't speak for anybody else. Betty Mandelbaum, Zipara Blavis, I thank both of you. Bela Sheva Brenner, Senior Writer, Division of Communications and Marketing at the OU, with the article that uh, focused on 1011 families. Uh, from the 1800s, uh, Orthodox all the way until today, which is pretty remarkable. Bela Shev, anything you'd like to add? Yeah, that it's in this issue of Jewish action. What's on the cover? Do you know? It's uh, on the cover is an American flag. Okay. And uh, and you see in the the red stripes, you see the immigrants that came over. Right. And it's called Unbroken Faith: American Jewish Families Who Defied the Odds. Good enough to make the cover, huh? Yes. Very <laughs> nice. Congratulations on that. Uh, ladies, thank you to all of you, to Bela Sheva Brenner, to Zipporah Blavis, and Betty ben- Mandelbaum. Thank you so much for participating thank you. today. Thank you. It's Have much appreciated. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Uh, it's Nachum Siegel Network, OU Jewish Reaction Program. More coming up. Keep it right here at uh, NachumSiegel.com. <laughs> Hashem Tzvaot Ashreyad Amboteach Bach Shemoshia Melech Yadeinu Biyom Kareinu Layehudim Ha'ayta Oy Rabe Simcha 
Wraps up a Jewish reaction show for a Tuesday here at the Nahum Siegel Network. I thank all of you for tuning in. Check out OU.org, OU.org for information about everything. And uh, the Nahum Siegel Network Facebook update page for information about our network. And thanks for listening to the Nahum Siegel Network. <laughs>